Hi, and welcome to Boom It's on the Blockchain. It's our 67th show. We're uh, covering some of the topics we've recently covered, and we've got our cybersecurity experts on here. John, a returning guest, and Arundhati. How are you guys? And Good lady. morning, sir. I'm great. How about you? Good. And Arundhati? Good morning, Alistair. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. Okay, perfect. So so let's just crack on with the show just now. Uh, let me bring up our first topic today. We are speaking about TikTok. Now, everyone's aware of TikTok out there. All the celebrities now have a TikTok channel. Boom, it's on the blockchain. We've got 4,000 followers on our channel, just about nearly 10,000 likes now. So people are interested in crypto on this platform, and it's not just about dancing, etc. But one of the biggest fears with TikTok is the, cy the cybersecurity aspect of it, and essentially the security protocols, and whether the Chinese Communist Party are using TikTok to spy on us all here at home making little videos dancing. John, give a bit of insight to what you tell us about TikTok. So it is a big security concern across the world, not just in the United States, but across the world. The data that they collect, the information that's used, and how you can transverse that protocols and information back into turning on people's webcams and microphones and listening in. That is a very big concern with this application because when you install it and you run it, 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 the permissions that you give it are just so extreme on this aspect. And that's why the big concern is bringing this one and not just this one, but all applications that on your phone to what makes sense? What do they really need access to? And how are these companies using this data? What are they using it for? If they're using it for good or bad or to spy on people? I mean, the well, government... In, yeah, let's just bring in this article. Now, this is The Guardian. Um, and it's a sort of famous UK uh, newspaper. Quite left-leaning, really, in terms of what their politics are. Let's bring in there. And this is what they're talking about. TikTok, how the West has turned on Gen Z's favorite app. And essentially, it starts off the US and European fears about China exploiting TikTok's data harvesting and promoting Beijing's worldview looked set to inspire an urgent overhaul in data privacy laws. So yes, what are actually meaning there then, John? So Generation Z loves applications off their phone. They love to do these videos and things. So that's, that's the fun part of about it. But what they're talking about is when these people give permission to collect their contacts, their emails, see these videos, allow them to access the webcams, think what are they doing with this video? Are they pushing ideology to a young user that's you know vulnerable are they taking people's emails and reading them and going through them and finding out bank passwords and stuff and using that against the people? Uh, where does the money actually come and go from this? There's, you know, who's actually behind sponsoring a lot of these videos that the funding comes from on this? Um, these are all great security concerns. Even the federal government has blocked uh TikTok on any federal device that's your cell phone your com uh computer that's even some people have said they can't be allowed in their home because of the dangers that has been brought to their attention 
but it's a great streaming message to get short videos out, get information out to the public. We just need to understand and collect the data behind this overhaul and make it a more secure platform for the data that they collect. So, Adam Datti, what's uh, your thoughts on it all? Sure. Thank you, Alistair. Yes, I totally agree with John here. Uh, TikTok has kind of recently, if you see all the trends, especially the killing part, like how to use guns and all that, the it it's really influences the kids and they are making some drastic decision. So I, I personally believe having, you know, nine-year-old that there should be some restrictions by the parent. There should not be, there should be some kind of data security protocols, which will at least um, protect the human society and for the greater goods, not for the harmfulness of the part of the society. Yeah, that, that's a good point there. That's looking from a social aspect. But if you think of like what the US government's doing, John, in terms of a, like a Trojan horse, Ted Cruz calls it in the article, it's a Trojan horse. You know, we're just letting the Communist Party just like waltz straight in and capture our data. But just explain to people how it actually captures the data and when you agree to the terms and conditions, how is it different from the likes of, say, Instagram Reels or Facebook? So the the amount of data is collected, again, like you said, on the amount of privilege you give the application. So when you do the user's content or when you sign, download that application, you create an account, it says that we have this policy. We want you to agree to it and give your phone these permissions to allow us control parts of your phone. And that's where the real concern is actually starts is right there. Why does an application like this need those permissions and sets. And then once you agree to it and installs, the very first thing it starts going through is collecting the data off your phone. It pulls what applications you have, what username and passwords, if you have them saved or fingerprints, if you use uh, bios, uh, bio, bio fingerprints on your phone to sign into an app, it starts pulling that data across the internet back to their servers saying, hey, look, we have now their permission, we can go through their email, we can go through their pictures, even their context. And, you know, if you're allowing somebody to access your personal information that way, they can then take it and use it for whatever they want. So an experiment was done about five years ago where they took a calculator app. It asked for permissions for your contact, uh, contacts and phone numbers. And they put it out and, you know, like four or 500 people downloaded it. And they were seeing that you could collect the phone numbers and start spamming people with phones. And then they would sell the data, email addresses on the, uh, the dark web. So all that information is being exposed. Is it a Trojan horse? In a way, it is. It is, honestly is because we're allowing people in to, we don't know the full exposure of what they're doing with it. And then, you know, you have even talked about GPO, GPS locations. I mean, people track all this stuff. So if you have, you use your Google Maps or uh, whatever map application you use, it all gets exposed to them. So they know where you're traveling to, what you're eating. They know how often you run your dishwasher, all that stuff. So it's, it's a lot of data that's exposed to very young people and, you know, there's no age limit. You can't determine the age of somebody that signs into it when they sign in. All you know is that person, that phone was activated. The government is uh, blocking the federal devices 
right? For using the TikTok, as well as since it takes all the information of the location of the federal sites, sensitive information and the intel gets distributed all over the world. So that's scary. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Arundhati. So essentially, you know, if you work in any federal building and they are tracking you from GPS, exposing the GPS of all the federal buildings to essentially ByteDance, which is uh, the company that owns TikTok, mm -hmm. and the argument is this is now getting sold on to the Chinese government there. Yeah, you can take it a step further than that. You know, Wi-Fi mapping of where personnel and building size and stuff is done. Every phone has Wi-Fi on it. It doesn't take much to turn your phone into a Wi-Fi. Then, you know, if you're using G, uh, your GPS on your phone, you can track where hidden compartments are, how many people are on each floor. That's all getting built into a database. It's almost like you're letting people virtually build an entire skyscraper of who is where, when, and how, and why, just based off this data. I mean, you can literally say, I've got 50 people on this floor, and the Wi-Fi tells me there's 60 people in this building. So there's either 10 people underground or 10 people on the roof. You know, it allows you to configure that information without anybody realizing it. Yeah, and that's pretty amazing. Eh? So it's uh, it's not all it's tracked up to be anyway. I'll still keep using it because I'm looking for the followers and likes and listens and that anyway. You know, and as everyone else starts to do it. But just be aware, like everything else out there, you know, the minute you open it and stick it onto this device here, people, you know, that's the problem. Suddenly it's tracked and then that information shared. So let's just be going over a little bit there as well. Just talk a little bit about the dark web and how this information is sold on. Because a lot of people, I think Facebook got fined, I think it was 400 million by the German government in January this year for essentially illegally selling some of its um, users' data. Or data. How does it actually work there, John? So selling of data is very common. Every business does it. Data is the most expensive and most sold item in the world. Um, it's even worth more than gold. So keep that in mind. Also with this, you know, they weren't just selling data. They were selling, the biggest concern was they were selling data of minors, which is a big, big no-no. And they didn't uh, notify anybody that they were a selling miners data, but then they didn't notify the other users they were selling that they were selling off data. So you have to agree to your data being uh, sold and things like that. Most applications, most businesses have a clause in there that says, hey, look, we're going to sell your data. Do you agree to this or not? Um, if you don't, then they do it. But what the biggest caught was is the miners children of it. Um, so out of this came a big hefty shift for them over there. And it's they're not the first company that's been hit by this. Yeah, so you, you start to think about that. There's just potentially more and more problems with people with social. So how can people protect themselves then? What can they do? So there's a lot that you can do. One, limit what you post online. Limit what you share with these applications. You know, 
you don't have to go and post that you had a great, wonderful salad at McDonald's today, or, you know, you don't have to post that your daughter's driving you nuts because, you know, she's a teenager and you're trying to teach her how to do the right thing. You know, limit what you post, post the important stuff. When you go on vacation, don't post that you're going on vacation, Just come back and then post your vacation stuff. So they don't know you're going out where you're going, you know, be careful about how what you say online. If you, you know, there's a lot that goes into that, and you know, selling the data uh, is only a part of it. And protecting yourself from being up on the dark web is the best thing you can do. Yeah, and just to add to that, what John said, there are a few ways to protect your data. One is definitely use a VPN, use a password manager, enable two-factor authentication and close all the accounts and report evidence of identity threat. I mean, I can tell you from personal experience, I am getting my credit card fraud every three to six months. Somebody in New York is buying $1,000 of shoes without getting, you know, I mean, I didn't even being there. So identify and report it and make sure that it's all secured. Mm -hmm. yeah, perfect. Oh, well, let's just move on to our next topic today. Um, is we were speaking a little bit about it before, but we'll just bring in the title there is uh, deep fake. So how does deep fake actually work then? So deep fake technology is really, really one of the fascinating technologies that's really come in the wild. And not only because of what it is, but um, it's still relatively new. So defect technology works by taking multiple pictures of the face and combining them down to create a, 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 a random of that person. And then it retakes the recordings of how this person talks and keys on certain criteria like P's, K's, C's, S's, and R's, and then creates that voice tone that you hear whenever each person talks and then coordinates it into that um, that format. So then you can type in words or you can sing or you can speak and the automated software will then make you look like that person, sound like you that person, or you can impose it on videos and override the videos and make that person look like they're just right then, right there performing as if it's that day. Yeah, yeah. So let, let, let me bring in this article. Let's, um, uh, here we go. There we go. So this is the Daily Mail, which is a right-wing newspaper. We did the left-wing with The Guardian, right-wing this newspaper here as well. Very much uh, pro-conservative government in the UK, which would be sort of pro-Republican over here. So there, this article says, can you spot the deep fake from the real person? Cyber experts warn AI images pose national security risks as 15 telltale signs to look out for are revealed. Um, before we go into the 15 telltale signs, is it a huge cybersecurity risk? Honestly, yes, this is a security cyber risk. Um, not only in the aspect of cybersecurity, but each individual person in this. Uh, because if people can get really good and create defects about you or, you know, sell you something through AI, 
you know, it all comes together. So it is a security risk because you don't know who you're actually giving information to or the information from this person is truly legit. So there's a lot of it out there. And I, if I remember correctly, they said there's about a thousand deep fake accounts on LinkedIn alone that are actually being used every day and people are friends with it. And you don't realize it because they're so, they look so real. Yeah. And there are yeah. few ways to uh, spot if it's deep fake or not. You have to see, look for the unnatural eye movements. Okay. Notice the mismatches of the color of the lighting. Compare and contrast the audio quality. Then strange body shape or movement. You can also do like to see if there's an artificial facial movement. It's not like, you know, it's not the normal human being. It's something kind of fake then unnatural positioning of the facial features and also the awkward posture and physique. These are different ways you can identify the if it's a deep fake or if it's a real person. Yeah, because the, these are all deep fake images right now that you can actually buy. So you're, you're sitting thinking you're looking at people right now and I was just scrolling through them. I was actually trying to work out which one's deep fake, but they're all deep fake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that one's definitely deep fake, and but this one's not. But they all are. That's yeah. amazing. Look, like that little girl's deep fake. That's, so, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, deep fake is not limited to an age. As long as they can produce an image and things, or make the person sound right, then you can get it. Um, it's it's advancing technology it's truly a unique and amazing technology in the aspect of what it can be capable of but right now it's being used heavily for the wrong reason instead of the right reason uh we're going to start seeing more of this uh inside movies and politicians plays and things like that. It's where you're going to see the strongest growth in this um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing articles about in the next coming months, we assume this was deep fake and it really wasn't, or, you know, you know, this politician versus that politician in deep fake videos, cause you know, it's growing so far so rapidly. Yeah. And here's what they're calling this cheap fake. So this is a sort of cheap Russian version, but this was actually Zelensky made by the Russian military. And then they were basically knocking out the towers and he was actually putting this to his own troops to basically lay down their arms and surrender. And then the article also went on to say that uh, Zelensky was uh, also, they're using the deep fake to basically uh, post this information to the Russian people and what he's saying he's going to be doing in terms of attacking Russia. So yeah. like using it on both sides, you know, one for the Ukrainian defense and then one from that. But then you start to think, you know, how many politicians is it going to be like this? Yeah, I, I've got a feeling you'll see it coming forward, whether you're one side or the other. It, it's going to happen because there's, you know, there's followers on both sides. So let's let's I'm not here to play, but I'm here to be honest with you. Um, this one was. The Russian one that you were just showing was a really big thing because it it almost did turn the world war, but you know people started catching it sooner than later. So it you know this is going to happen constantly, and you're going to see 3.0, and then you're going to see the 4.0 probably within the next couple of years. 
Yeah, and that'll be it. We'll be able to run the podcast forever if we time this right, you know? <laughs> there you go. We just answer our own questions as we ask. 23 in the you know, episode of 14,000. <laughs> there you go. We're, we're long dead, but we've programmed the podcast <laughs> to keep talking about this stuff. So it might have some uses going forward as well. But this is like the best deep fake. And I can believe it. Like, And I'm going to see if I can bring this in the scene so we can get to listen to this one. Right, here it is. Let, let me know if you can listen. Now, this is Deepfake Elvis. Uh, we'll take it in uh, courtesy of Luigi. Can you hear it? When will I know I arrive at time If you had taken the time to show me I would be lonely Where will I go? Who will I have to learn Who is this emptiness inside me? He was a lot fatter than your white creature. Feeling past Next time I go to a karaoke. Because I didn't realize the song goes for about seven minutes, everybody. But that was amazing. So that's deep fake technology there then. So how can we tell that? You know, apart from it just looks too good, how can you tell that's not real? Um, The one, the body itself. Um, You know, people know the history of the Elvis body to, you know, we all know what he looked like when he was young, young versus when he was older. And this is a very young Elvis. So, you know, things like that. Um, 
you know, there's a lot that goes into this to, to look at. But I'll tell you the one thing is next time I go to a karaoke competition, I'm taking this with me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so and we're just in, and Meal is just pointing in as well that, you know, deep fake Tom Cruise and TikTok, uh, that's got over yeah. 5 million followers now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's fine. And I, you know, I've started following deep fake Tom Cruise as well. And it just looks like Tom Cruise, sounds like Tom Cruise, you know? And yeah. So- and it's take the first video and their last video, and you can see the difference of how it's progressed and they've updated it and kept it a lot cleaner. So, there's really unique things that you can do with that one, that series. Also, Disney is heavily into deep folk, right? Deep fake right now. Yeah. And it doesn't have that real emotions, right? The human emotions, the frowns and everything. It doesn't have, defect doesn't have that. Yeah, it's too perfect probably for that. <laughs> but maybe maybe Joe Biden and Donald Trump when they are doing, you know, uh, run for president 2040. <laughs> <laughs> They'll still be going with the deep fakes, you know. They wouldn't be surprised if they're doing that now as well. Because they're both getting older. It's like, at what point... Do you know what's true and what's not? It becomes more and more difficult to tell. So uh, that's amazing. And that te- this and like, how much is this technology? When did it first start coming in, John? And when, you know, uh, where do you see it in five years from now? So the first time I actually started hearing back, it was the mid two thousands. You know, they were trying to make. Uh, it was actually generated for artificial intelligence to make it look real, that you could talk to somebody, you know, on the camera and make you feel more comfortable. Um, in five years, you will, it will start showing emotions. It will start bleeding, crying and things like that. As much as it's changed in the last just two to three years, I can only imagine it will start looking like, it's, like you said, podcasts like us right now running 24-7. And you can't tell the difference. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, well, that's great then, guys. That's been great to come on the show. We've talked uh, about TikTok. We'll keep bringing up more and more uh, things that's happening with TikTok. The Trojan horse of uh, accessing uh, detailed information in America. And then really with the deepfake. So that's been great. So, well, thanks very much, John, for coming back. Been great to bring you on our guest as well, Aaron Datti. So we'll get Aaron Datti on in future shows as well. Um, And that's everything. So thanks very much for coming on today, guys. Thank you, Alistair, for having us. Thank you, sir. Very much a pleasure. Okay, that's been great. You've been watching Boom It's on the Blockchain. My name's Alistair Caithness. Have a nice day.